Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the positive edition of the Chivas del Norte podcast. Um, this is the episode where we're going to talk about the women's Chivas team. Um, with me as usual, uh, Melissa and Luis. What's up? What's going me? on, guys? Great. Three weeks in a row that we are super leaders, so just give us a trophy and call it quits. <laughs> that, that's why I joined the podcast. I was like, I'm tired <laughs> of the other one. I'm tired of the men's podcast. I don't want to be on it no more. Too, it's too negative over there. Yeah, yeah I mean... They're the ones who are making us happy right now. For real, I keep I keep tweeting out that meme that I made of the Drake the Drake meme, like waving no to the men's team and pointing yes at the women's team. Like I, I feel like that's just gonna happen for the rest of the season. I agree with you. I think that's that's what it's gonna look like. <laughs> to be honest, I I didn't watch the men's game this week. You didn't miss like, anything. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm feeling really great. I'm having a nice weekend. I, I don't think I want to to mess it up. That's think, so smart of you. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was the worst Chivas men's game I've watched in a while. Maybe like all time. Yeah. I know we're going to talk about it on the other podcast, but I missed the party. I was invited to a like Not like a party. My, my cousin was having her, her daughter's bar, uh, birthday barbecue. So they invited me to go over, and I missed it oh. to watch the Chivas game. Damn. <laughs> At halftime, I was going to leave, and I was like, no, maybe they'll get one. Maybe they'll get one. Trophies <laughs> is going to come in, and they'll get one. And I didn't go, and I, I regretted it <laughs> as soon as the game ended. It was, a, it was like you said, it was one of the worst games I've ever seen. But the feminine on the other side, that was a pleasure to watch. Yeah, man. They, they got something special going on right now. We did a record for the Chivas Necaxa game because it was a midweek game and we figured we'd just cover both games in one pod. So since we last recorded, Melissa, Chivas beat Necaxa 2-0 and they beat Toluca 4-1. And like you said, they're still super leaders. Alisa Cervantes is still the leading goal scorer. No, she, she got passed by oh, the Sirejas Yeah, the Sirejas 5 and Cervantes has 4 goals. Oh man, sorry, she'll get him back next game. We're going to play Mazatlan, so that's a favorable uh, matchup for us. Yeah, she's going to get four for herself. <laughs> Cervantes? Oh my god, she's so good. Yeah, I've, uh, that's why I, I switched my Twitter username. I was like, this is uh, Alicia Cervantes fan account now. I don't care about the men's team anymore. Yeah, once, once they finally have the, the women's jerseys for sale, I was thinking, is it too soon to get the Cervantes jersey? <laughs> I think not. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm definitely going to do it. Oh, they're finally available? <laughs> No, they haven't. Oh wow! I, I mean, I haven't checked today, but they're still not available. It's um, it's a team that we saw, for example, this past week. Is that like the the starting eleven for Chivas, or were they missing any players, or is anyone that we didn't get to watch? Mm, I think he did switch a few things. They they didn't have like Miriam Castillo on the mid because she has been like the center mid for a very long while, and she wasn't there. And also for the Toluca game, they didn't have Yashira Barrientos, who was usually, is usually like the the, the sub for forwards, so we didn't see her at Toluca either. Uh, I yeah, so, so, to make so sure I wasn't missing anyone. No, I mean, he, he, Chore has been like rotating players, so that's also good because you want everyone like at, at a good level because they're going to have like weeks where, where they have to play like two matches with three days of rest in between. So if you can get everybody in a good rhythm, that's going to be helpful for them. Yeah, smart. Yeah, for sure. But uh, let's talk Chivas-Nekaxa. Chivas beat Nekaxa 2-0. Melissa, I think Chivas controlled the game the whole time. And uh, honestly, I, I thought they would have won. They should have won by more. I think 2-0 was a very uh, favorable scoreline for Nekaxa with the chances that uh, Chivas created. Yeah, I mean, Necaxa are one of the weakest teams in the league, and they are a team that, that Chivas know well. Like they, they played each other a lot. So, I mean, I was also expecting them to, to really step in and maybe get a few more goals, but that, that's when we kind of saw like what the, the biggest problem has been for the team in the first two matches, which is like they really fall apart on the on the second half. Like They don't get like really pressed, but they, they don't really generate a lot compared to the first halves that they had on the first two matches. Yeah, they came out once again firing in the first half. Uh, you know, you had a 12-minute Alicia Cervantes header assisted by uh, Maria Sanchez. I think that that goal to me stood out just because of um, Cervantes' movement in the box. It was like she read she read that play perfectly. And she even got bumped, and she still like got such a clean hit on the ball. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that she has, like, right now she's unstoppable in terms of confidence and she's, like, trying to do everything and everything's coming up well. So so that kind of, like, gives you that, that edge of saying, I can try whatever I want to try and it's going to go mm-hmm. in. I mean, she's on fire, basically. Yeah, she she can't be stopped. She is that. I think that's the game she even tried, like, a Chilena, the top of the box. And I was like, nah, that? that was the Toluca game. Oh, was that the Toluca game? Yeah, okay. it was right after she scored, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, you got to be, like, oozing confidence to try that. At the top of the box, just to attempt it, you got to be oozing confidence. That's what I was going to say. Like, you can tell she's playing with, like, a lot of confidence. Everything, like, everything just, is just working for her. Her movement, um, the way she holds the ball, looks for the looks for her teammates out wide to then make the run into the box. Like, you can just tell she's playing with a lot of confidence. That's why, I don't know, I don't remember if I asked Mauro on the podcast or was it off air, um... Because I, when I looked at her stats, I saw she only had like two goals at Monterrey, and I'm like, how's that even possible? She, she looks like, she looks like she should be scoring like 12, 15 goals every season. Yeah, I mean, the thing with her at Monterrey was that they were playing her on the left wing, so she wasn't like the center ah, forward. So see, that makes sense. I mean, I think that she's now like on the sweet spot in terms of being where she she's most comfort comfortable, because Monterrey has the Ciremon Zibai, so it was not easy for her to be able to to get that starting spot and they never they never really tried to get them both at the same time and i think that's also like interestingly enough for rayadas now they are really trying to to have to to like center forwards now so maybe he he's not feeling bad that he let, left alicia go and now he's going to to fix that now with his team but yeah i mean that's one of the things i think that um, her being able to play on her favorite position now, and like I mean, having someone like Maria Sanchez at her side, is really really helping her in terms of feeling like really comfortable and trying new things, and just also that hunger that we've mentioned that she has. Yeah, when you watch her play, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to tell she's new on the team. She's a new player on the team, and you would think she's been there. The chemistry she has, it looks like she's been playing with them for a while now. Yeah, I think that. They found like the right pieces, uh, definitely Jaramillo and and Cervantes were like those extra things the team needed to really to really click because we used to see that it was really hard for them to win like by larger margins. They were usually play, winning by one goal, two goal stops. So being able to score this much and this fast is like a really big difference for them. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Jaramillo, Melissa, and you know she also had an she had an assist in that game to uh, Nicole Perez at the twentieth minute. Um, Nicole's shot took a deflection, but um, I, I think that shot was going to be on target regardless, so she still got credit for the goal. Yeah, I mean that's it, the kind of shot that Nicole does really well because she's she's really good like at free kicks, so that kind of getting it over the the goalkeeper is kind of her style, so it really suited her really well to take that shot yeah and then Nicole Perez obviously we're going to talk about her again in the the Luca game but um yeah she's also really a really good player plays well on the ball and um but to me I think Jaramillo has been like a great she's looked great I don't I'm I'm not you know too familiar with how she's looked on teams previously but she's like really controlling the midfield and does like a, a really good job of keeping Chivas I think together there yeah I mean Jaramillo is like very technical but she wasn't getting a lot of playing time because she had some injuries. And because Tigres is, like, such a stacked team, like, a- anybody who loses a little bit of step, like, you get passed over. So I think that also for her it was a good move, like, coming into Chivas because she's able to get, like, those starts and, like, rebuild that confidence because now that she's becoming also... I mean, she- she's maybe a little bit underrated, maybe, right now. But she's also what the team needed in the midfield because in terms of left midfielders, we only had really had Tania Morales. So whenever she'd get injured or whatever, it was like a really noticeable gap there. And I think that now Jaramillo can be like that successor to Tania. I mean, they, they don't maybe play exactly the same, but she's like a really reliable like aid in terms of building play on the midfield on that side. Yeah, she had a she had a really nice shot at the around the fiftieth minute that she hit the crossbar and um you know you mentioned that she's been you've seen her um, practicing those uh during practice. Yeah, she's been trying like the the mid and long long distance shots. Like there was a video of them training and she was really working on that. So I guess that she she really wants to to score, but 
I mean, there's nothing that you can ask more for her in terms of her being like now this presence and this engine on the on the midfield in terms of helping build play. But yeah, I mean, I hope she gets to score soon. Yeah, I was kind of hoping it would happen against Luca, but I trying to recall if she had any long distance shots, but I don't think so. Yeah, no, I think that it was against Toluca. It's like more about controlling the midfield mm-hmm. because that's like their really strong line. So I was kind of expecting it to be like a, a little bit more locked in, in the mid. So it was like, I, I think maybe more important for her to, to try to regain the control there rather than, than you know, trying to to move forward and take over an attack for her, for her amigo. Yeah, for sure. And then let's just mention that that Necaxa goal that got taken back after they um they executed the free kick wrong. I think it was an indirect free kick. So when that happens, you a player has to touch the ball before you take a shot at goal, and um, Necaxa just didn't do it right. Well, the yeah, girl I missed mean... it, right? The girl missed the step, like touching. Yeah, she didn't touch it. So the girl just dribbled it and shot it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the other player like pretended to have touched the ball, but they they didn't touch it. Like they just went past. Yeah, and, and there, Melissa, there's no bar, right, in um, Femenil right now. No, they don't have bar. And, and actually, I remember that was Francia Gonzalez, I think, the the referee. And I've seen three matches from her, like on every jornada, and she's really not doing well. I mean, huge tackles and not giving, like, even a yellow card. And then that thing that happened with Chivas on the on the second match week, and then. I can't remember. I think that she was on the San Luis match, and I checked that one out. And there was this play where the San Luis player had taken like advantage on attack, and they had like an open space to shoot, and she caught the play to to give a foul. So she didn't let let them like have that that play. And I was like, dude, she's making like these really big mistakes in refereeing, and she's still getting like matches to to lead so i don't know i mean i'm really having a problem with with her as a ref right now oh man i i, I don't know about that i guess that's something to keep an eye on I, I i do a bad job with that like in terms of like i never really pay attention to the reps i think maybe in mexico like maybe like uh what, what do they call him chiqui dracula or something like that they were calling yeah. him <laughs> him yeah uh, yeah him i would like pay attention to but besides that i never really pay attention to like how how reps do and like paying attention to who who gets assigned what match? Yeah, no, I mean, I had checked her because, uh, I don't know, there was like a big controversy with the Tigres match on the on the first jornada. And then like on the second, when I saw that she was going to be refereeing for Chivas, I was like, oh, I hope she doesn't mess it up. And then when that happened with the goal, I was like, no. <laughs> and then I saw that she was going to be at the San Luis match. And I thought, okay, I'm going to give her another chance. And then I saw what happened and I was like, nope. She's not cutting it right now. It sucks that they don't have VAR because it's not easy. Listen, I've ref, I've ref games before, and I was only, I was a lines judge, and there were times where I looked, I was like, oh, I have to make a call, and I would just, in the moment, you don't know what to do, and you just go with whatever you think it is. So it's not easy. It's not an easy job, especially without VAR. Yeah, I mean, I really hope that they try to get the the VAR at least maybe for Liguilla. I think that could be great. Them. Oh, that's that. Not now that you bring up that just reminded me of something. My only criticism was that I, did, that I didn't like about the game was like the camera angles. I wish they just raised them a little bit more. I felt like they were so low to the ground. Yeah, because yeah. this one was well, at, at Verde Valle, right? So mm-hmm. it was not at the stadium. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. kind of hard to get good angles on on that pitch. Yeah, that's yeah, that's why I upgrade that. That's why I don't like watching the the youth academy games because the camera angles kind of don't do it for me. I don't, I don't really like them. But, yeah, I um, think that, that that happens a lot like when they play in Verde Valle because it's kind of like really small and maybe they don't have like that much space to set up the cameras or something. Yeah. Why don't why don't they play at the stadium? They are going to like the next matches. They I think okay. that only the Disney Caxa game was the one that they had scheduled at Verde Valle. The rest of them they're all going to be at the stadium including the both Clásicos which they are getting at home this season. All right, guess so we'll get good camera angles. Whew. I was like, come on, we've got to upgrade that. <laughs> um, yeah, let's, all right, so let's talk the Chivas' next match, Chivas Toluca. Uh, it was another Chivas win, 4-1. Um, you know, I was talking with Melissa before we started recording, but I thought this was probably Chivas' uh, toughest challenge so far in the in the three games that they've had. And, um, you know, they went into the was first it? half 1-1. 
but then she was managed to pull away in the second. Uh, Melissa, I know we've talked that they haven't really done a good job playing second halves, but this game was the one. Yeah, I mean, even Chore on his uh, post-game press conference, he did say that even beyond whatever result they were going to get, he really talked to the team in terms of saying that the priority was being better on the second half, and they really did deliver that. So I think that, that they really did a good job in terms of improving. And, I mean, coming in, we know that Toluca is, is a tough team. It's a, a, a team full of, like, a lot of young talent, and those young players, they have been maturing, and they they keep getting better. Their captain is Natalia Mauleon, who is only, like, 18 or 19 years old. But she's already, like, she's from the same generation as Nicole Perez from the U-17 squad that made it to the World Cup final. So she's, like, also very experienced. And, yeah, I mean, we, we knew they were going to be hard because they also really pushed Tigres when they, when they played. So it was going to be a very interesting test. And when they they were like 1-1 on the, on the first half, I was like, okay, I want to see how they react now. Because they were, they hadn't been on that situation on the first two matches. And it was about seeing how well they were going to 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 react and to see if they were going to be able to to pull off the result. Yeah, I think Toluca tried to, well, they did it in the first half. They were pressing Chivas, which we hadn't really seen yet. And, um, you know, it was, she was had a decent, a decent reaction to the press, I think. Yeah, I mean, Toluca is, like, a lot about the midfield. Like, they really, really control the midfield. And because they have, like, these players like Roman and Mauleon who can really go from the mid on and take, like, long-distance shots or finish really well, that's why they are so dangerous, too. So I was expecting it to be played mostly on the mid and to see who was going to be able to control that that part so i think that they really did well in terms of being able to break down that mid and push over for the goals see i thought when i was watching i thought chivas was doing a good job maybe pressing forward pressing the the, the luca players especially in the first half early in the first half. but i well Morrow said that they responded well the one thing i did like was that palo fox and and, and maria sanchez they stayed out wide and they stayed out up top so it always gave them like that outlet pass like they had the three forwards up top. I mean, I think that was that was big for them. Yeah, and I mean, they they all really been fighting. I mean, you don't see like Cervantes letting the ball go past. Like, oh yeah, maybe the mid will sort that. I mean, they all really go and press, and everybody goes and, and helps with that. So I think that's also helping Chivas a lot in terms of of keeping the ball on the on the opponent's half and like really pressing and trying to find those mistakes they can make goals out of. Yeah, Luis, I don't I, I don't know. I felt I felt like. Maybe out of the three games that I've watched, this was probably the one that frustrated Chivas the most in the first half. Maybe that's what I what I meant. But um, let's talk about the the goals real quick for the first half. Um, Alicia Cervantes volley assisted again by Maria by Maria Sanchez. You know, a great finish. Um, she wanted the ball the whole time. You saw her call for it. She pointed where she wanted the ball. Maria Sanchez delivered it, and I think she scored it like with her knee or something, which is crazy, but. You know, when you're on fire, like, you score with every part of your body. You could ask Chicharito, like, he made a whole career off of it. <laughs> Yo, the, the, the announcers on, on Univision, they were like, oh, they were, yeah. they, did you, you listen to it? They gave mm-hmm. they gave Sanchez her props. They would say it was a beautiful cross, great cross. They're, like, hating. And they were basically saying that anyone could have scored it. That the cross was so good that anyone could have scored that. No, that was a that was a, a, a great run by Cervantes. And it's not a, to score from there at that position. Without letting the ball touch anything else, like that's a hard, that's a hard goal to score. Yeah, I mean you put Peralta there and he misses. No, <laughs> <laughs> I, I seen Omar Bravo in his second run with you. Like, a lot of those things. <laughs> <laughs> so for them to disrespect Cervantes on her goal like that, that was messed up. That yeah, was a great I didn't run like that, that you made. That commentary. Yeah, because she's up. also making it look easy. Mm-hmm. I guess so. It's kind of deceiving in terms of saying, "Oh, yeah, I mean, it was a great cross, and maybe anybody could have finished that." But when you see it, like maybe in, in like slower motion and stuff, you see like every all the adjustments that she makes to be able to finish that, and it's crazy at like the level she's playing at right now. She also has like this, like a like a really great burst of speed that's almost like kind of sneaky. You almost don't think like she's gonna get to it, but she does. She's a lot faster than what I thought. Yeah, I think she, she's really, really fast right now. 
And I mean, that also was kind of like what we expected. I mean, we expected Chivas to go in with a goal really fast. So the interesting part was seeing that Toluca was able to to get a goal and to break off the streak of clean sheets for, for Blanca Felix too. Yeah, Toluca scored at the 40th minute off a, off a corner, but not like directly. It was kind of like a scramble in the box and... um. Toluca recrosses the ball into the box and the player is there to connect and just gets it over Blanca Felix. So yeah, they went into the first half tied. Um, at that point, Melissa, what did you think? Did you think she was going to bounce back or were you worried about you know another underwhelming second half performance maybe? Yeah, I mean, I was worried about that because I was also looking at the bench and I thought, well, maybe this is the kind of game where I would like to see maybe someone like Yashira Barrientos step in. Yeah. and see if she could maybe help break, break things up a little bit. But she wasn't even on the bench, so I was like, okay, I'm going to see what Chore has in store for us now that there's not that like really clear option and to see what he, he has planned in terms of making sure that they, they could score in the second half because ahead of this match, out of they had like six goals, I think, and out of those six, like only one, they had been able to score on the second half. They had all been on the first yeah, I know we had been mentioning it for a while, and then, um, but I want to talk about the forty-eighth minute, the one-on-one save that Blanca Felix made. I thought that was like the momentum, the, the momentum shifter. When that happened, I was like, "Oh, Chivas is about to go win this because that's it. Like you can't get past Blanca Felix after that." Yeah, she's she's really good at that. At those one-on-ones, she's really really solid on that. So I think that. Yeah, she's she's a like a player with a good leadership. So when you see that she's solid on that, I mean it also motivates the team to say, look, we got this the defense sorted out. Now we need to go after them too. Yeah, and the, and that was like that was three minutes into the into the second half. So you know, Taluka scores on that. You know, you also have to consider what the Chivas' team morale would have been like had they gone down to one. You know, that would have been a completely different different response in a different game. Yeah, absolutely, because they have never been down in the scoreboard this season. Mm-hmm. So that also would have been like, how are they going to to react to this new situation of not having so much control over the match? Was that, was the Luka a Liguilla team last season? Mm, I think they haven't made it to Liguilla yet. But everybody always knows that they are like a, a really Very dangerous team. team. Yeah, I mean, they're really solid. Because they have like all this U20 talent, and I think that if they they are able to keep like the core of the team, they are just going to to keep getting better. I mean, just for for like a bit of context, um, Toluca like players are supposed to. I mean, teams are supposed to do like youth minutes, and Toluca have like eight youth players that have added minutes for yep. them. So almost their full team is like a youth it. squad. Uh huh. So, but they're like really, really solid, even though they are also young. I mean, they, their captain is what, 18, 19 years old. And she's already like a really mature player and a player with a lot of experience in the league, despite being so young. So I think that they're able, if they're able to hold on to, to Mariel Roman and to Natalia Mauleon and to all those players, I mean, as the time goes by, they're just going to keep getting better. Yeah, that's that's interesting. If they if they can keep a core, I guess they're eventually they're going to be a really good team then. Yeah, yeah because even... I was going to say, hopefully they build those players up so Chivas can buy them. <laughs> well, I think that Mariel Roman had her contract expire, like, before this season. Because I, I, I checked, like, I kind of made, like, a shopping list for Chivas. <laughs> and I remember I had uh, Mariel Roman on my shopping list for Chivas. And I was like, well, I hope that maybe Nelly Simone will consider her. But, the, but, but I, I also had Alicia Cervantes and Jaramillo on my shopping list, too, for Chivas. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, Melissa, you know, you should, Melissa be, a should be part of the scouting. scouting team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just hire me. Do whatever. <laughs> don't don't even hire me. Like, just ask me. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, then at the 55th minute, we had uh, another controversial, I guess, play by the ref. Uh, Montoya, uh, Jocelyn Montoya, that's the first name, right? Yeah, Jocelyn Montoya. Had a shot blocked and deflected off the crossbar. It goes in, and then um, originally it was called a foul on Cervantes, who was trying to make sure the ball went into the goal. And then the ref kind of—I think she talked with her sideline ref—and they gave they gave the goal to Chivas, so they went up two-one on that play. 
Yeah, they, it took them so long to, to decide what was going to happen on that play. And I mean, that's also credit to Montoya. We haven't really seen her a lot, but she was uh, the starting left winger for Chivas. Like, she was on the position that Maria Sanchez has now. And she's also very, very young. She's 20. And she had actually been with Chivas for like over a year, but she had, I think, an injury. And then she had her debut, and just like three matches in after her debut, she was doing so well that Monica Vergara called her to the U20 national team. So she's been really, really solid. And I really want to see her get more minutes because she's very fast. I mean, I think that she still has some things that to work on. Like she's not maybe as good as, as creating chances for others, but she's really, really good at, at finishing herself and at creating like those those spaces for her to to score goals and she's also really like kind of fearless uh, in terms of not being afraid to embrace like the bigger matches i mean we saw it against uh america last season or, or two seasons ago when it was like that 4-2 win and she scored this like fantastic goal like with three defenders on top of her and, and past the goalkeeper. So she's like that kind of player that it, it's like really bold and she enjoys that. So I, I really want to see her get like maybe a few more minutes to, to show what she can do too. Yeah, she, she came in for um, Pala Fox, who I think she also subbed in for her against uh, Necaxa midweek. But, um, you know, it was nice to see her contribute to the team and get that goal for them. Yeah, and I think that she's also going to need maybe some time to adapt because she's usually like playing on the left. She would switch sides with with Ruby Soto and she would play the the right side sometimes. But I think that she's she's also going to need maybe a little bit of more minutes to to fully fit in on that role on that side. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so I guess we'll keep an eye on uh, Montoya. I thought it was interesting that you know Palafox went had a great debut like the season opener and then. Feel like she wasn't as effective against Nakax and Toluca, but um, like in interviews, I keep seeing that you know every player keeps saying that there's a lot of competition within the team, so I think la- lack of motivation is not going to be there, and I'm sure Palafox will bounce back, maybe against Mazatlan even. Yeah, she she dipped a little in the in the Nakaxa game too, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean they they've all been saying that competition's strong, so they already need to step in and and do their best all the time, like in training and in matches, because they know that that the team that the team has a deeper bench and that they can just get subbed at any time. And, and like, I think that also Chori is not afraid of, of making those subs, like, really early yeah. or whenever he feels like he needs them. So that's also, like, a really clear message to players. Like, if you're not at your best, I mean, you're going out. Yep. And then, you know, we got another goal for Chivas at the 68th minute from Nicole Perez, assisted by uh, Alisa Cervantes. Um, I thought that was a really impressive shot that Perez took because that's like a it's like a quick thinking shot. She saw that the near post was open. So instead of kind of like taking her time to position herself and like, you know, try to curve the ball, she just poked it like with the, the front of her foot. I thought it was like a really smart play. Yeah, I mean, and it's also like not the sort of play that we usually see from Nicole Perez. So I think that it's great. I mean, she she's really raised her level. I feel, I feel like she was starting to to go down a little bit and maybe she wasn't doing as well as she used to. But it's great to see her. I see her really motivated this season to, to do better and to raise her level, which I mean, she's also like very young. So I think that we sometimes forget that these players have been around for like three years, but they're all like 21, 20. So they've been yeah. playing since they were like 16 or 17. But I think that she's she's having a, a really great season. I mean, in the two, two games she's been at, She's been doing great on the mid and also like contributing on attack. So I think that she's going to to do really well this time. Yeah, and then you know Alisa Cervantes with the assist, you know, just showing, you know, she's not she doesn't only just score. She's also, you know, she can set up her teammates. We saw her set up um, Tania Morales at the seventy first minute at the top of the box, and her shot um, went off the crossbar. So you know she's not like that selfish striker that sometimes will shoot instead of passing it to a teammate in a better position. So I really like seeing that in this game too. Was it yeah. I was going to say, was it this game? She also had a one-two with Maria Hunter yeah. where she tried to like chip it over the, Sanchez tried to chip it over the goalie it looked like. 
yeah, that was a was really just... nice one-two mm-hmm. play also. So yeah, like you said, she's. I mean, she, she, like we said, she's playing with confidence. She looks like she can do it all. Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, Melissa, you mentioned that you know the team of the week had just come out like a couple minutes before we started recording, and you know I took the guesses as to who was going to be on it, and then you know surprised that Alisa Cervantes wasn't on it. But you know, based off what I saw in that game, I, I figured she she would have been on it if she had. Maybe she got like one more assist. She she might have made it. Yeah, I think that maybe another assist or another goal would have would have put her in there. But I mean, we already have three players there. We can't just be selfish and <laughs> we need to she share didn't... a little bit more with the rest of the team. Let me ask you this question: She didn't make the team of, the team of the week, but do you think she was the best player on the field that day, or do you think one of the other girls was better? Because um, yeah. I thought like she has a lot of impact on the field. Yeah, I think that it would have to be like maybe a tie between her and Maria Sanchez. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say yeah, Maria Sanchez say, probably. Yeah, I was gonna say it was, it was, it was, it had to, to me it's either one or either her or or Sanchez. But that's what I'm saying. Like she's left off the team of the week, but without a doubt, she's a star player. I mean, you asked that, Luis, and it's interesting because um the Liga MX Femenil account like they pick their player of the week and then. Chivas also picks, like, not the player of the week, player of the match right, the for match. every match. So they picked Blanca Felix as the player of the match, which I I, I was surprised, but I was, like, I was happy because I was, like, to me, right. that, that block that I mentioned in the one-on-one, that was, like, a crucial block because, you know, it could have changed the whole trajectory of the game. And then the Chivas Femenil... Yeah, and then the Chivas Femenil account picked Maria Sanchez as the player of the match. Yeah, because that's just, like, how well the team has been doing that you can have, like, these players really changing the the match from different positions and I think that's what's making Chiba so strong this this season. So I mean either of them it's like really great. Right. Yeah I was gonna say that like uh obviously I've been following as much as you or even Varo now but like the team there's like every like every almost it almost seems like every position is like good players at every single position. Um so when you say like there, there's different you can go so many ways with player of the game and that's just like something that's good to see. Yeah, I think that's like a problem you want to have. Right. I was gonna ask, is that is that Chivas because of their talent, or how much does the coach have to do with with some of that, Melissa? Because I know Charlie Mejia has moved to the team. Like, can you see his fingerprints on the team, or not yet? I think that we're we're starting to see them because um, he's maybe okay. So maybe like the system can be like similar to what we've been seeing with Villa, which was like a 4-3-3. But the players uh, Chore has been choosing to, to execute that have been like different ones. Right. So he's mainly switching up like the, the mid and also like on defense, um, the right center back, uh, Michelle Gonzalez, this is like, the, these, are, these are like her first matches with Chivas. So maybe you could you could have gone with with someone else who had like more matches under their belt and, and say look I'm I'm still not going to bet on you because I don't know how you're going to perform, but Michelle Gonzalez has been like really embracing that and and also I think that Chores' impact has been precisely that like in terms of seeing the players like so confident in themselves and like so feeling like so free on the pitch because I feel like with Villa, the team sometimes felt like a little bit more. Um, restricted or, or more controlled mm-hmm. so you didn't see them like this this free on the pitch and like they, they sometimes it was like really everything was super tense like they were against Necaxa which was supposed to be like an easier win and it was like 1-0 and everybody was like super tight trying to, to hold on to that 1-0 so I think that also maybe not Tactically, even though we we do see like those little choices in terms of like for example, sobbing in Montoya like at the right moment and stuff like that. So I think that yeah, I mean we're we're starting to see that. But Chore has always been like really has always re- really stressed that what he wants people to see like beyond results or whatever is people seeing that this team has like a lot of of like gods are like greedy on the field and you see everybody fighting for for the balls and pressing and and trying to push the team forward so yeah i mean i think that so far the the main contribution has been like that changing mood for the team in terms of how how you see them on the pitch and how they feel on the pitch but as we go on like we're going to see maybe those those other changes but on set pieces i do see like a difference because maybe we villa was like more experimental 
uh-huh. but maybe he overdid it. And like the main change I see with Chore is that on corner kicks, everybody's waiting like outside the box and makes a runner. I've seen that, yeah, I've seen that. And we never saw that with Villa. So those are like the maybe the little changes that he's been able to to implement, and maybe we'll see more as a, as he keeps like developing the team. I was gonna say like uh, one thing I've noticed from the Chivas Femenil Twitter account, their social media account is there seems to be like a real good camaraderie between the team, like. Like it's not it's, everything is not just them practicing. There's, like you can see videos of them having fun in the locker room, having fun, and I think that kind of shows. It shows on the field that the team is, like you said, they're playing free, they're having fun. Um, which said the same can't be said about the the men's team. <laughs> <laughs> but that but they definitely look like whatever they're doing off the field seems to be working on the field also. Yeah, I mean you you see like the players really get get along. I mean, and you see. That like also on social media, like they post uh, that they're eating together or they're playing pranks on each other and stuff like that. That really, I mean, it doesn't show maybe on the pitch, but it does help because that means that they're having like a really healthy atmosphere, and of course that always like helps to perform better if you are not at odds with your teammates. Right, at least shows that they're all they're all in on together, right? They're all together, they're all as a unit, they're all as one working together, and that. Like you said, it can't it can't hurt. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's something that we were wondering, like what was going to happen, because you bring in a coach like two weeks before season starts, and if that coach doesn't gel or doesn't create that kind of an environment with the players, you are doomed. Like you're not going to be able to switch again. So I think right. it was really important that Chore was able like to build that that like that trust and that sense of freedom for them too. Well, I mean. You can't switch. You could just ask the men's team, but <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> you could switch every other week. <laughs> yeah, but we we've never seen that in the in the women's league. Like everybody yeah. just sticks to their coach. Like no matter how good or bad results are, and we don't really see like a lot of switches for coaches like we see in the men's side. Maybe we'll get there, but not yet. No, I, I think it's good though. Like to have consistency at a coach. Like you know, you let projects play out. You don't rush to uh you know firing coaches and getting all these players i, I like i like what i've seen from chivas family like we said like that um like all the content they're putting out and like you know they they all seem like they're friends and like they hang out and stuff so yeah i think it trans and it translates i think onto the field a lot different than alexis vega and Antonov <laughs> <laughs> not that type of fun <laughs> Yeah, no, I actually saw like a, a, an Instagram post. I think it was Janelle Farias that she was giving like a healthy yogurt to Yashira Barrientos, and Yashira said that she didn't <laughs> like the taste. So I mean, you see oh, them like yeah. getting hanging that. together, but like being good influences on each other instead uh, of dragging the other to parties or stuff like that. So I mean, that's also like I think credit to Nelly because you can see that the. The players that they bring in, they also bring like better, like they're like trying to be more professional and they're players who not are not only like good quality on the pitch, but off the pitch, you can, you can see them like trying to build like a better culture on the team, like of being fitter and eating better and that kind of, of things. So I, I think that also adds a lot to, to what the team's doing, like maybe things that we don't see. But you can tell that that the players are like pushing each other to be to be better and to take better care of themselves, like even beyond training. Yeah, the the recipes that Janelli puts on um, Instagram, like I just feel like so guilty eating what I'm eating when I'm watching. I'm like, <laughs> wow, like it's like super clean. Like she had um, I think tortillas and nopal for like yeah. ta- for like tacos, and I was like, wow, like compared to like the flour and the corn tortillas we eat, like I was like, I, I gotta watch, I gotta watch my weight. And then she has like the Monday motivation post that she does. Like, yeah, those yeah. are great too. And I mean, it's crazy because she's supposed to to have had like shoulder surgery and maybe like not not be as fit, but she's even fitter than before. She yeah. got injured. Like the, I don't know what witchcraft <laughs> is that, but she's going to come in like in better shape. And I mean, that speaks to to the work ethic that she has. And like, yeah. I mean, of course, that that drops into the rest of the players. I mean, she's mentioned that she likes playing with Kimberly Guzman, who is like a very young seventeen year old uh, center back. And for players that young, like to see someone pushing that hard and with that level of discipline, I mean, if you're willing to, to take that guidance, it's it's going to do wonders for her and her career long term too. Yeah, and then you know, and then you know, to wrap wrap it up with um, Janelli, uh, 
Now her roommate scored a golazo at the 88th minute against uh, Toluca. And I saw on uh, on Instagram, I think, Maria Sanchez uh, credited to uh, Janelli's great home-cooked meals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she's going to... She, she's Even though she's not playing, she's still helping the team, which is what you exactly. want. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, it was a golazo for Maria. Yeah, that was, that was... She ripped it and, you know, she got the goalie in a bad position and she, you know, golazo. Yeah, it was worth the wait for her. Because I, I think that she was maybe like a bit frustrated trying to get that first goal. I mean, even though she's been playing at a fantastic level, I guess at, at the back of her mind, it was still like, I need to get that goal. But she really made up for the for the lost time with that. With that goal last Is that, that's her first goal? Yeah, she, she had never scored with Chivas. But I mean, she's only played seven matches with the team, so I wouldn't like put too much pressure on her for that. Yeah, that's, that's a great, great debut goal. And then you know but she's other, had she's had great assists too. So. Yeah, she's yeah. been dropping dimes every game, so can't you know can't uncredit her for that. Then you know Tanya Morales also made her return in this game. Uh, Melissa was she coming off an injury? Yeah, I mean I heard that there was nothing like official from the club, but I heard that it was like a an injury that that she was because we we weren't even seeing her on training yeah. videos. I was looking for her, and I was wondering what was happening. But then when, when they said there were no positive COVID tests, I thought, okay, then it must be an injury. And and she did make her return. I was really curious to see how she would do because um, knowing that that she wasn't maybe like completely fit, but I think that she, she was really doing well when she came in on the pitch. Yeah, I think she did. She did fine for her return. You know, she has to work herself back into playing shape. And, uh, you know, she almost even scored a goal, that shot that hit the crossbar. Yeah, I mean... Even though she's like the the most veteran player on the on the team and whatever physical ailments she may have, like that touch on the on her left foot, it's it's always going to be there. So I really want to see see more of her too. And then Chivas Femenil's next game will be against Mazatlan on Monday night, I think eight o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Uh, I know a lot of people listen in Cali, so that'd be like five p.m. your time, Texas. I think seven. I think that's where most of our listens come from, Cali and Texas. So shout out to you guys. Yeah, that's going to be played like at the Estadio Akron. So they're back on the stadium too. Yeah, and uh, Mazatlan Femenil is, um, they just got, they're a new franchise, right? So I know you said, Melissa, in our preview pod, we talked about them briefly. I think not, not all the, yeah, not all the Morelia players. They're signed purple with Morelia. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I was going to ask. I was like, did, did, did they just take the- the more, all the Morelia family team and bring them over? No, they have like 10 Morelia players and there are like two from San Luis that I remember seeing at San Luis and they kind of like just build from other other teams. But I mean, they do have like a good roster. Right. They, they got like a tough first couple of matches, like they opened against Atlas and they lost 4-1 against both Atlas and Tigres, but they were able to score and like to be actually the first team to score so they they kind of look poised to to pull off an upset or two and they just they're just coming in off a win against Necaxa so that's also going to like boost their morale a little bit and I mean I, I do think that they're going to be I expect Chivas to win but it's not maybe going to be as easy as one would expect from like facing the newest team on the league yeah hopefully they don't pull that upset upset against us <laughs> yeah I hope not but I mean, they're they're also like really bold. I mean, you don't see them like trying to to park the bus or anything. They really just try to go and, and score. So it's going to be a fun one. I think that Chivas can take advantage of those openings if they decide to go also through that route. Yeah, I hope, I hope it's a fun a fun game to watch because you know so far none of the all all the games have been fun to watch. You know, can't can't say the same for the men, but Femenil not not letting us down. It's the positive positive vibes only. <laughs> Yeah, let's think that, that they're going to win like 4-0 and four more goals to Alicia Cervantes and, and everything's going to be okay. I, I need to prep <laughs> my, my Spongebob memes because I know that Amelia is always making oh, yeah. <laughs> like Spongebob jokes about Mazatlan, so I need to get those ready for, for this game. <laughs> um, Melissa, on the last part, we kind of did like a like a mini deep dive on Alicia Cervantes' uh, path to Chivas. And then, um, you know, we talked and we figured it'd be a good idea to do like a kind of like a player profile on 
a different player from Chivas Femenil each week just so that listeners can, you know, know a little bit more about the players and be able to relate to them more. You know, we didn't plan this. We planned this before she scored her first goal over Chivas. And uh, this week we decided to do a little mini deep dive on uh, Maria Sanchez, left winger for Chivas. You know, she scored that golazo against Toluca late in the game. You know, she's been racking up assists since she got since she started the season. Um, but yeah, I'll just read off like a couple a couple interesting notes about her. Um, she's originally from Napa, Idaho, USA. She's uh, 24 years old. While I was doing my research, I was disappointed to find out she's only at Chivas on loan from uh, Chicago. So I don't know how long she'll stick around at Chivas or if Chivas will buy her from Chicago. But doesn't sound like a team that that could hold back Chivas from buying her. <laughs> I don't know. I think Chicago is like really well. The she's really well run. I think they have. Yeah, um, the, the Red Stars. They are like really doing well, but they were also not not playing her. So I don't know. I didn't know it was a loan. I thought that she was coming in after her contracts expired. Yeah, I thought I thought they bought her, but from the re, the like I I did some the research I did it said that she's she came from Chicago on loan. So you know, I hope they buy her because she's been killing it so far. Um, you know, when she was in so when she was in high school in Idaho, she uh she played soccer and she was the leading goal scorer all four years. So she scored she went from scoring twenty six, thirty four, fifty, and then seventy eight goals in a season. Like, you know how many goals seventy eight goals in the year? Like bro. What? I mean you can put me with no one else on the pitch and I wouldn't be able to score seventy eight <laughs> goals. That's true, even shooting around I'll probably miss the goal. <laughs> Uh, you know, despite despite her like impressive, really impressive numbers, uh, Idaho State University was the only college that offered her a scholarship. So she she went to Idaho State University. She scored seven goals and led the conference with eight assists in her freshman year. In her sophomore year, you know, her team had one win, one tie, and fifteen losses. But in those games, she scored fifteen goals. And had four assists in 17 games. Which is crazy. Yeah. Like you're on a team that's not really good, but you're the standout player because you got 15 goals, you know, four four assists. And that was her freshman year. And then in her sophomore year, she tried to leave ISU because, you know, she wanted to go to a more competitive environment. ISU tried to block the move, claiming that it was like, some sort of tampering and you know some sort of NCAA violation. I know we're not like NCAA like experts, <laughs> experts and stuff, but yeah, there NCAA does a lot of shady shady stuff. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like I figured, you know, transferring colleges would be simple, but um, it was a big deal until it wasn't. You know, it got resolved. She moved on to Santa Clara University, where she played all 23 she played all 23 games of their season she scored five goals and tied for most assists in the year at uh for six six assists and then in her sophomore year she played 19 games scored eight goals and led all ncaa division one colleges and universities with 16 assists so she's been dropping dimes since college and probably even high school like i couldn't find the stats for that but you know she creates scoring opportunities and if you watch her play like the way she dribbles around she has like a lot of videos on youtube of um like dribbling skills and stuff things that she does like i i could never ever do in my life (laughs) (laughs) yeah and she's mentioned that she feels like her game is maybe better suited for like for example the mexican league because she's more technical and maybe like we have this expectation of like Mexican American or or players in the U.S. that they are like more physical and not so technical, but she's like super talented with that. And like you can tell that she's worked super hard also to like develop her skills. Yeah, she 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 can dribble she can dribble really well and like get past defenders. Like she has like a nice uh, like crossover steps that she does. I've seen like a couple of highlights of her for like in the selección. And, you know, she balls out there, too. So I, that's what I'm saying. Like, when I found out she was here on loan, I was like, damn, like, I really wanted her to stay at Chivas long term. But um, after college, she was, you, you're right, she was drafted from uh, Chicago Red Stars in 2019 as the 15th pick of the second round. So, you know, second round draft pick, not bad. And, you know, now she's at Chivas. 
She made her debut against Cholos, I think, in February of 2020. And, you know, it took her a while to get going with Chivas, I think, because, like Melissa had mentioned before, she was away at the U20, with the U20 national team. Yeah, no, she was at the Olympic qualifiers. In, oh, right. Yeah, at the beginning of this year, yeah. Um, and I think that also, like, the interesting thing with her is that uh, she had, like, a really fantastic high school career. I mean, they even retired her jersey. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's how big of a star she was. And then at, at the university, she also had, like, a fantastic, like, college career. And then when she got drafted by Red Stars, and she was, like, the 15th pick overall. So she was, like, really well positioned to, to like, try to, to build a career there. And then she, she wasn't really getting playing time. I mean, she only played seven matches with Chicago. And those are the matches that she has already played with Chivas. Like, so she wasn't getting, like, a lot of time. And I, I wasn't... I started following Chicago because, you know, the Mexican players, but... I did see, like, other people who had followed her more saying, like, they were wondering, like, why she isn't she getting, like, more playing time because she's, like, so talented. But, I mean, sometimes it just doesn't work out. I mean, even though they, they picked you in the draft, they they might not have, like, or be able to find a, a way to, to put you on the pitch. So I think that it was, maybe it must have been, like, frustrating to think that after you did so well in high school and college, you are going to to take off as a pro and not being able to gain that like that stability there and like that consistent playing time and then she when when the move was announced in December she wasn't really able to to be with the team like you mentioned until fe- February because she was with the national team in the in the Olympic qualifiers and she only got what like three or four matches with Chivas before the season was cancelled so I think that in a way, seeing her do so well right now is fantastic because you are seeing her find her footing as a now as a professional player, and to be able to to perform and to have like that stability that I think that she was lacking since her since her college career must be really great for her too. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm I'm sure her transition from you know you go from Idaho to Cali to Chicago and then to Guadalajara. I'm sure like. All those transitions are are difficult, especially on a young on a young player like like she is. So I'm glad that she's finally finding her footing and you know getting going, dropping assists, and now she's scoring goals. So I'm 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 really happy with the progress she's making with at Chivas. Yeah, I mean I really don't expect her like to build a full career in Chivas. I mean I I know that that it, this is probably just like a like a step for her like to maybe try to go to Europe or return to the States because mm-hmm. I know that that's where her level is at. I know that she can make yeah. it, but it's really great that in a way both parties can benefit. Like if she does well in Chivas, you're having like a really, like a really big spotlight because Chivas is like one of the, of the, of the biggest clubs. And I know that she also has like a, a really good agency. I mean, she, she's with the marketing jersey, which is like the same agency as, as Janelle Farias and as Norma Palafox, but also the same agency as Charlene Corral and Kenty Robles. So if she can have like really good performances here, that's going to get her noticed in Europe or, or the States or wherever she wants to go. So I'm sure that that she's taking this like an, like maybe it wouldn't have been like her first choice coming to Chivas right now, but I think that it can also be like a really good chance for her to just like finishing developing her her or establishing herself as a name because like I know that she even though people who follow the the women's game know her in Mexico she wasn't like as well known for the league when she came in maybe so I think that she's going to really build a name for herself I mean she already has with just these three performances that she's really she's really doing well so I think that it's going to be interesting to, to see like how this pans out but it's going to be really, really great for her and for Chivas that that she does well. Yeah, and it's crazy, like her, like her, how she made it to the national team. It was her ISU. From what I read, it was her ISU coach that suggested she try out for the women's national team, and then you know she made it to a World Cup with them, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, I also heard that it was like Renata Maciarelli, who is um, she's now with America, but. 
she was studying at, at the at the US. She did a college career there. And she also told her like go over and try out because you, you can really do it. So I think that also for her it, it must be it must have been like a, a real struggle trying to build her football career. Because I I mean I, I'm not like an expert on that, but like I know that it's harder in the US to play soccer if you don't have like a lot of money. So oh, yeah, probably yeah. So so that's why she was only able to play to play until high school, because she maybe wasn't able to to afford those resources that to to like pay, play at a club and, and pay to to be able to play there, which I think that also like it must have also built like built like her character like I've had to to work so hard to get to where I am and to to jump from from Idaho who, which is maybe like not a a place that that isn't like as much on the soccer radar for us mm-hmm. and to be able to make it to the, to the national team and to and to, to to getting like a good draft pick and then now to to shining with Chivas I think that it's been like quite a journey for her even though she's so young so I think that we're, we're still going to see like a lot of great things from her yeah I'm, I'm excited to keep watching her so if you're just starting to get into Chivas Feminine knowing a little background or knowing a little extra about the players is you know, it helps you transition into following the team and getting to know the players. Nah, it's, it's definitely important that you guys keep doing this. Um, especially like me, like I started watch. I watched. I started watching because of the the goal that was it the goal. No, Cervantes, the play where she she puts it between the players' legs and then gets the shot off. It was like two, three weeks ago, something like that. Um, oh, that's what made spin, me want to spin move and then the juke in the oh, box. Oh yeah, the spin. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what made me. I was like, all right. You posted the video. You posted the gift for the video. I can't remember. Um, and then that started making me looking her up. And I was like, you know, what? I'm gonna start watching the games. That's what made me want to watch the last two games. But it's so important to to know who these players are, what their backgrounds are. So that makes you want to watch it even more when you when you find out these stories. Yeah, and I think that the interesting thing with the with the league is that we see players with like really different journeys. Like you have like Mexican American players who who have developed on in the states and under under like different a different process. And like even between Mexican American players, you see like some differences too in terms of of what they they've been through. And in Mexico, you have like players who who didn't really have like a formal training process, and who have just like gone through the ranks from playing like amateur and without like an academy or whatever into making it as a, a professional player. I mean, Norma Palafox was even like a referee. At the at her local league before she was a a soccer player, um, Blanca Felix was a, a a black belt in karate, and because mm-hmm. there was no no football teams in her in the place where she comes from, so she had to take up karate to 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 be able to 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 be at a sport. So there are all these interesting storylines, and it's also great. I mean, to see them come together and and to see like players with all these different backgrounds come together as a team and to into what we see now. So I think that's so it's always like really interesting to look into those stories and, and find out about their journeys too. Melissa was Marie was Maria Sanchez the player that had the incident on the bus? Or Which one? Am I thinking of somebody else? When with the America bus driver? No, that was Michelle Gonzalez. Oh that's Michelle Gonzalez, okay. Yeah. So that's the center back. Okay. So we'll save that. We'll save that story because I know when we uh, that episode that got messed up, we talked about it. But now we can save that when we do a Michelle <laughs> Gonzalez's a uh, profile. Yeah, no, it, it, that wasn't Maria. Maria is uh, she's what roommates with with Janely Farias. Yeah. So so we have like the the two Mexican American players uh, on the team living together. So they they should do a sitcom or some YouTube videos or something. I think it would be fun. <laughs> yeah, they definitely they should they should. Uh, Melissa, anything else you want to add before we head out? Well, nothing. Just like let's keep supporting the team and just keep hoping that that they stay super leaders all the way to to Liguilla and to the and to the trophy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean they're just like it's really great to to see them. And I remember Miriam Garcia was mentioning in an interview that this feels like all the work they they've been putting in for a year. Is finally like, like translating into these results they're getting. So it's kind of great to see like that process that started with hiring Nelly Simon as sporting director, 
like really show up in in these results that that we're seeing now. But yeah, I mean, just keep supporting, and we're just over there at Chivas Femenil English to help anyone out who wants to follow the team in the league. All right, there you have it. Uh, Chivas's Femenil next game will be against Mazatlan on Monday night. Um, I think you can definitely use the Telemundo Deportes app if you're in the United States, and I think they might live stream it on YouTube. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but if anything, they put up the replay after. So you know. There's definitely ways to watch it. If you don't know how to watch it, you can add you can add us on Twitter. You can add Melissa on Twitter, and you know we're happy to help. We're happy to direct you to the game. But this has been so. This has been um, another episode of the Chivas del Norte podcast, and we're out.